Welcome to season two of the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal in the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Lauren Kennedy. Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Kamala, thanks for having me. I am the founder and chief marketing nerd at Coastal Consulting, and we are a marketing automations consulting firm, agency, whatever you want to call it, focused on the HubSpot Salesforce integration. I am a 27-year-old female business owner, and I'm super proud of that. And we are almost a year into Coastal Consulting and have broken 500K in revenue. So big milestones, big year. (laughs) Nice. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. And being in the consulting space, I think you guys were kind of the front runners for the remote work from home culture. And that is exactly what we're here to discuss today. So very exciting or very excited to dig into it. So when we first spoke, we reflected on some trends that are here to stay from the past couple of years, and remote work life was one of them. How has your life changed since remote work has kind of been introduced? I've been working fully remotely for three or four years now, and it was a big game changer for me. So I'm a dog mom. I have two dogs. I also have a cat. And it's been really life-changing for them to have me at home. My fiance also works at home too. So being able to be home during the day so they're not crated or alone has been really great. And that's just a side effect of working from home. That's what first comes to mind. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I think that work should be something that fits into your life, not having to fit your life into work. And working remotely makes that possible. And companies who choose to allow a work from home environment or remote work environment really show that they're prioritizing their employees' well-being and like personal finances and the environment, all of that above the need to have somebody sitting in a seat in a desk where you can see them all day. Like the cost savings of eating lunch out or driving to work or gas and like the mental tax of sitting in traffic and then the environmental impact of everyone in their cars every day. It really adds up and it creates a negative employee experience before they even get to work. So working from home has really changed that for a ton of people. Oh my gosh. I think back to, and I'm in Seattle and our public transit system is pretty good, but you know, sometimes it was scary riding the bus when somebody had a meltdown and, um, you know, I've I've been chased a few blocks (laughs) by somebody who was having some issues. Mm -hmm. But then I also think too, like the flexibility I have today with Caliber Mind that I'm so grateful for. So earlier this week, my grandfather passed away from COVID and I was able to disconnect, go take care of family, visit with my grandmother, which is really important. And it's really due to remote work that I have that level of flexibility and love your point about the the dogs and pets. So many parents too have really benefited from this change. So I think back to uh, initial reservations communicated by managers I had about having me work remotely. And a lot of times I heard the comments about how we had to be fair to everybody and not everybody could function in a remote environment. And then those same managers would block off their calendar, hide in a conference room so they could actually get things done, which could have been done really easily with remote working. What advice do you have for people still clinging to that mentality that we have to be in an office to be productive? My take on remote work is that 
unless you are directly interfacing with people, like you're a teller at a bank or you're working in a fast food restaurant or you're a server at a restaurant, there are a lot of professional options. I'm just not thinking of them right now. You're an attorney in court. <laughs> yeah. You can you can work from home. You, if you just need a computer and an internet connection, you can work from home. And to me, the mental impacts outweigh any concerns that may be there about not being in an office. Like being in your home environment is the most comfortable place for the majority of people. And obviously there are people who don't fall into that. Some people are not comfortable in their homes, but that is a separate issue. But being able to create a space where your team can be in their house, wake up, come to work when they are feeling their best. Like for example, my team, if they're not feeling their best and need to come in later and work later or get off early or whatever, having that flexibility to just walk over and take a five minute break on your couch, it changes your day and it can really create a better space. So we've all been there where we've worked in an office and you get to work, someone's rude to you on the elevator and it kind of puts your whole day off or you're sitting next to a coworker. And for me personally, who can't handle chewing sounds, they're sitting there and they're chewing their gum, they're smacking their gum or they're eating their lunch really loudly or somebody had something that smells terrible or someone in your cube little pod has phone calls all day and you don't, and you have work like for me working in marketing automation and tech and building structures and systems takes a lot of focus. And so if the person next to me is a salesperson and they're on the phone all the day, all all the day, all day long, Mm -hmm. and that's their job. So they should be able to do that. But I can't do my job because I'm distracted by listening to their conversations or just having the noise in general. It creates a really negative impact and greatly reduces productivity. And for me, when I worked in an office, I struggled to get the amount of things on my plate done every day. And now when I work from home, even though I do uh, struggle with work-life balance because I'm a workaholic, but I get so much done in a day now working from home. And I feel the ability to connect and be myself and be engaged on video, but also be introverted and not worried about the perceptions of others when I'm not on video, because there's no worry about, oh, how am I sitting? And somebody's walking by. And I know that's difference between a female and a male experience, probably of just the perception of do I look my best today? Have I showed up? Am I behaving correctly in the space from like a presence perspective? Mm-hmm. And that's something I know that myself and a lot of female coworkers struggled with before. And now you can just see this little box of me on the screen and I can choose how I look and be prepared for this time slot and not worried about all of the other perception factors that go into working in an office. Yeah, yeah. And just adding to the list of reasons, the thing that used to drive me crazy pre-pandemic were the folks that would come over and lean over your cube and then complain about how sick they were and how and brag about how they drug themselves to work still. And I'm like, and now I'm going to get sick. Thank you very much. So there's just so many things I don't miss. And productivity, like studies have shown that it's gone way up. However, I think it's forcing people to manage folks who can't manage their time a bit differently. Have you had to deal with that at all? I have. So my team is by design, a very diverse group of people. So I look at different people on my team as kind of a different manifestation of qualities I have (laughs) as I look to manage them. Like I like to look at it through that interpretation of like, yeah, sometimes I am like that. So how would I help myself when I'm in that mindset? One of my team members has four children. And she is a, an amazing mom. And it's awesome for me to get to watch her be a mom that works from home and has two kids that are under three and handle that. Um, (laughs) And 
her time management is a totally different game than mine because she's managing everything in her house. So, (laughs) which I have so much respect for, but she has to manage, okay, here are the actual priorities today. And like, when I get them done, I get them done because my expectation of her is not that she sits down at eight and then she gets up for 30 minute lunch and she comes back and she leaves at five. That's completely unrealistic for anyone, much less someone who has two small children at home as well. So when it comes to helping her with time management, that's been a huge growth challenge for me because I am very much like, these are my scheduled blocks on my calendar and this is what I'm going to get things done. And I have the freedom and flexibility in my life to do that. But for her, it's different because she has environmental factors and also she's a creative. So she's in our marketing department. Mm. And so her productivity and delivery of items is not necessarily as linear as someone who's building systems or working on an integration because that's really black or white. So we actually talked about productivity as a team this week and how there's toxic productivity and how we'd like to redefine productivity. And she shared that she had a day this week where she actually didn't get anything checked off her to-do list, but she had a really creative day of coming up with ideas and campaigns and all of that. So it's important to me to adapt to each person on my team and look at how their job is structured and how their like success is measured and then adjust my time management expectations accordingly. Because conversely, I have an employee that is really similar to me, honestly, and how he operates. And he struggles with how do I pick the best solution and spend a certain amount of time on it? So (laughs) he has so many ideas that he struggles with the time management of, okay, does this task really warrant six hours of ideating or should I just get a, like get better at picking the best solution and starting. So for him, I challenged him to say, okay, here are three tasks and I have 30 minutes to get them done. Because whenever you set a timer on yourself, it actually gives you, it makes you make decisions easier. Because if we look at, we have a unlimited amount of time. There's so many things I could do and think through and go down all these funnels. But if I have 30 minutes to get all this done, I have to think through quickly, choose the best one and implement it. So I don't want him to do all of his work like that because there is a time and place for considering options. Sure. But the way that I manage their time management coaching is very different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thinking to remote work challenges. Of course, you've got managing distractions and having flexibility in which hours people are working. But then at the opposite end of the spectrum, which you're talking about right now, are the high performance people who really push themselves all the time and teaching them when to shut off. (laughs) so that they don't burn out. Now, having experience in that arena, it sounds like yourself, how do you coach your team to not fall down that trap? That's the hardest thing that I do because I feel like the biggest hypocrite on that subject. And I own that. (laughs) I have challenged myself this year to stop using the excuse, well, it's my company. So if I'm going to work 80 hours a week, that's kind of my prerogative because it's my little baby and I'm working on it. And Mm -hmm. I've realized that that is a cop out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. while that is true, it is my company. So I will work harder than others. Like, And that can't be an excuse as to why I'm sacrificing everything else in my life to just work forever. So... I'm getting better at saying I have this amount of time to do this and I'm signing off. And that doesn't mean I don't work late some days, but I'm getting better at setting that boundary. It's now more of an edge case if I'm working past six, <laughs> but yeah, good. anyway, good. as far as enforcing that for the team, like I kind of looked at that whenever I decided to hire of, okay, I'm going to hire high performers. Like I'm going to hire people who are passionate about what we do. And I think that passion breeds high performance and people mm-hmm. who want to work more because 
they want to do more and learn more and like have more done, not because they feel like they're stuck or they have to do it before they leave. So I looked at, okay, if I'm going to hire more people like me who love what they do and want to keep doing it, how do I put a safeguard in place to where they don't become workaholics, especially if I'm working late and like, they're still getting the mentorship and the connection with me that they enjoy. And also they get to do the stuff they love. So why would they leave? And I put a few things in place. One, all of my team members are eligible for overtime. So they're all salaried, but they are eligible for overtime. So that's kind of a financial safeguard of like, Hey, you can't work 60 hours a week because that's expensive. And it's kind of a safeguard of like, okay, you've hit your 40 hours. Like you're done for the week. Like go enjoy your life. Unless I think there's two or three weeks in the lifespan of my company that we've paid overtime because I encourage them not to need it, like to use that to go live their life. That's like one accountability measure. And then also I am online before people and after people. So I ping them like, Hey, it's time to go. Like, it's time to go live your life. Like, do you have something that's urgent? And if you do, let's talk about it. And then I'll help them finish it. If it's not urgent and it can wait till tomorrow, like remind them this can wait till tomorrow. Like, go make dinner for your wife or go spend time with your kids or go watch Netflix, whatever the app like person does after work (laughs) and being the one who's enforcing that. And usually I get the response of, okay, well you do that too. And so that's been helpful for me to have my team help holding me accountable to also be like, okay, I will, if you will. And so we're all getting better at that together. Oh, that's great. So I'm thinking about reservations to moving remotely. So there's a lot of benefits. I think we can talk through them really quickly. You mentioned several of them and a lot of them are psychological, but one of the biggest ones I've noticed is that your talent pool just expands extensively. I don't think there's a price or a uh, benefit that you can tie to that numerically, but I've seen it and it's just amazing. Would you agree with that statement? I would. And I think that there are a few metrics you could tie to it financially. One is it's less expensive to hire in other areas. Often, like if you're a company in San Francisco and you hire in like a small town in Iowa, you're going to save on employee costs. Some people would argue you should pay the same, but the cost of living is greatly different. So you can still pay a competitive salary, but save on what it would be in your area. You can save on office costs. Also in San Francisco, having an office is very expensive, even if it's just a co-working room. Also, it saves you time in your recruiting process because you have a larger pool. So your HR is working a little bit less hard. They're able to hire people faster, which means you're saving the lost productivity or whatever the role is filling. You're saving the lost time in the productivity of that role and having them on your team. So there's actually a few different financial metrics that you can find and roll into that just because I'm a data person, I have to say. It. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're right. <laughs> there are a lot of tangible benefits as far as financial other benefits from the employee. As far as the employer, it's retention. I mean, right now there are so many people that are saying like, I'm leaving my job because they won't let me go remote or they're going to make me go back to an office. Or even if you are remote and you haven't definitively said, we are going to allow remote forever. I've seen several people recently say they left their job because the company wasn't making a decision. There's this Mm. looming, oh, we might come in back to office someday. We don't know. We'll make a decision later. And like just the constant looming threat of you might have to come back to an office, but you've decided that working from home is your most productive, is your safe place, makes you happy, makes you better, makes you enjoy your company more. 
the lingering threat of you might have to come back here someday is enough to make you jump ship to another offer because it's so easy to do so right now yeah. because so many people are looking for talent, at least in the communities I'm in when it comes to marketing and marketing automation. I can't speak to other industries, but where I'm at, there's a lot of opportunities and people are hopping. Hi, I'm Kamala Thompson, Director of Growth at Caliber Mind. A lot of times we talk to prospects and they're excited about modernizing their marketing analytics, but they're worried about the data underneath. And that's a valid concern. That's why we came up with our Back to Basics Bootcamp to help you address all of the issues that stand in the way of you and insights that actually make sense. We'll meet each month to review a best practice. In addition to that, you'll walk away with handouts that go through how to implement each piece and a Slack channel where you can ask experts on demand about your organization, your processes, your systems. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's free and product agnostic, and we really suggest that you take us up on it. The program starts on February 8th, 2022, and space is limited, so register today at calibermind.com. No, I think you're spot on because in the news, and this isn't secret, so Google's losing, they're hemorrhaging employees at the moment because they're not committing to not enforcing office time. And I have spoken to so many people who've said, I'm never going back. Now that I've had remote work, I'm never going back. And I don't blame them. I'm one of them. I actually went remote before the pandemic hit a couple by hmm, about a year or two. And knew before the pandemic hit that this is this is great. Why aren't we all doing this? Now, that said, I don't have tiny kids or a tiny place and don't feel, you know, some people still want to go in. That's great. But I think a lot of us are jumping on the bandwagon. So having a remote team, I think one of the concerns also that people voice is there's less of a sense of community and less loyalty potentially if you're not having them come in the office. Now, we've addressed the loyalty piece with all the people quitting because the fact that they have to go back in the office is looming over them. But how how do you build that sense of that team mentality remotely? I put a lot of effort into investing in my team. So for me, our mission is to be a people first learning organization. So <laughs> everything I do is with them in mind. So I talk to each of them every day, whether that's briefly or over a long period of time. I blocked yesterday just to be a manager. So I spent time on a call with each of my team members ranging from 30 minutes to two hours <laughs> and took that time to invest in them. And we have different feedback loops in place. So we have people who meet individually without me throughout the week. And I hear from them if something's off or something's wrong. We actually, our brand and culture manager uh, implemented a new feedback tool. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's called Matterbot in Slack. And so every Friday it reaches out and asks for feedback from the team. Like, hey, here's your opportunity to give constructive feedback to your team. And every day is the option there to give kudos. So being able to go in and systematically say, you did a great job on this, like here's a highlight. So creating opportunities for not only me to connect with the team, but the team to connect with one another. I also listen and implement feedback really quickly. And I don't think it's talked about enough, like how big of an impact that can have. Because oh, yeah. a lot of times organizations are slow to make decisions or slow to make change. And they're like, oh, well, let's keep trying. And for me, especially as a marketer, there is a certain time that you need to get things to be statistically significant in results. That's factual. But whenever your team is saying this is creating friction for me on a daily basis, and the majority agrees with that, you should change it immediately. So yeah. 
we've changed task management platforms from Asana to Monday.com and it's greatly improved our workflow and it's helped people better understand what they're doing and better collaborate with their clients and it has automation and it's been great. So that was a bigger change that took like a month, but Mm -hmm. it changed a lot for how we work as a team. And like one time we said that we had too many Slack channels and it was confusing. So we deleted over half of them and just minimized it. Like taking feedback that people have about their workday and implementing it soon shows them, okay, you care, you're listening, you're here. And that matters. And like, even if it's just little feedback that they make in a side comment or something, I take it and do something with it because that makes you feel heard and that increases your loyalty. Um, And in addition to that, we do two other things. One is we travel and we get together. So all of our final round job interviews are in person, even though we're remote always like my team culture is so important to me that we invest the time to go meet the final candidates in person, interview them, and then hire the best true fit on both sides. And so not the whole team, but a fraction of the team gets together for that. And then we're under a year, so I can't really say annually or whatever. But um, in March this year, we're getting together for a team beach week. And we did one last September. So it'll be our second in a 12-month span, I guess. But this time we're getting together to film a course for the HubSpot Salesforce integration to teach, but the whole team is coming. We're all going to be represented in the course and we're spending a week together at a beach house, which is a huge bonding activity as Mm -hmm. a team to go to the beach together and have fun and do work in a different way, but collaboratively as a team. And then second, I do a lot of gifting. So we'll have Uber deliver coffee to everyone before a weekly meeting or my team has all identified their business love language as gift giving, which mm-hmm. we define those on onboarding as what is your business love language? Because if they enjoy gifts and I just give verbal feedback, maybe they don't receive that appreciation. So I'll do gift cards. And for recently, recently somebody passed a certification that they've been working on for a long time. So I paid for a cleaning company to do a house cleaning for them because they've been really bogged down with the amount of lift they have internally, like at their house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, hired a cleaning service to come in and gave them a gift card, like trying to do creative, personalized gifts rather than just here's a $15 gift card to Starbucks every few weeks for the best whoever. Just doing this unplanned intermittent gifting has been great for my team because it feels personalized. And the creativity there, I just, I want to commend you because I'm going to start using that myself. Team members have um, COVID going through their house, providing the meals delivered, you know, those sorts of things make such a huge difference and make them feel important and heard. And the way you personalize it, that, that gift of having a cleaner I bet that meant so much more than just hearing you're doing an awesome job and congrats on your certification. <laughs> exactly. And it just, it took something else off his plate. My, my angle was you spent so much time studying. Here's some time back by having your house cleaned. Um, it benefits him and his wife. Um, Absolutely. Something else that we do, which is something I'm proud of is whenever somebody has some sort of hardship going on, we deliver a DoorDash gift card that day. Mm-hmm. So um, on the first day, actually, for one of my employees, our first day at work, their dog was sick and had to go to the emergency vet. And it was like oh. a terrible first day of work because yeah. <clears throat> it was chaos. And so on his first day, I sent him a $50 DoorDash gift card. And that really stuck with him as far as like day one of the company. I was like, no, something bad happened to you. And like, you're not on trial, you're on day one and like you're part of the team now. So Mm -hmm. you get the benefits. (laughs) Um, But uh, if anything bad happens, that's measurable and there's not really something we can do tangibly to help you because it's external. We just send a gift card because that makes your day easier by not having to worry about dinner regardless of what's going on. 
Yes. At least you don't have to worry about dinner. I think we can all learn from that. Now, going back to the, the piece, I just thought it was so important. You said make a point of using the feedback and implementing it quickly. And this can also apply to systems, any kind of configuration changes. I'm just thinking back to conversations I've had with salespeople about why why are you upset about the required fields? Why are you not filling in this information? And the feedback was always because I know people aren't using it. So I think this is so important when you have a team. It's also important when you're using systems is creating a full loop, a communication loop where you go back and say, hey, this is what we've heard lately this is what we're changing. This is what we're we're going to maintain doing and here's why. But giving people some insight into the why something's happening and making sure they know that they have a voice in the company is just so critical. I just think that's such a great point. Thank you. Because we're, we're new and young, we actually have a monthly self-improvement meeting where we go through, we look at our website, like, is anything outdated? We look at the systems, is anything like causing us pain? We look at everything we're doing through a lens of like, is there something we're doing that we should stop? Is there something we're doing that we should make better? Is there something we're not doing that we should do? And so answering those fundamental questions every month, because we've grown from individual freelancer to team of two to team of five to where we're at. So every month we've had pretty measurable changes, but it's just a nice check-in point of acknowledging here's 30 more days into this. What can we do different? What can we do better? I love it. So when we were speaking earlier, you talked about reverse conditioning. I would love for you to expand on that. I would love to. This is one of my favorite topics. So part of my founder's journey is I read the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle early in 2021. And her book starts with an analogy of a cheetah in a cage at a zoo and how whenever you're young, you have no limitations. Like you view the world as this like endless whatever, where you just get to go make your mark and you don't really, you're not afraid of anything. You don't have any like preconceived notions. And as you get older, you learn to get used to the box that you're put in. So as an adult, the cheetah doesn't remember that they should be running free in the desert or wherever cheetahs are. Um, but it talks about how we get so comfortable in the box that we're in and we see our day-to-day as the normal that we forget what our potential is. So we get put into these norms. So the, my best, my favorite one to talk about is men in the workplace. So Men at work have a really bad rap, especially recently. We talk about, oh, they talk over us. They're always assuming that women are taking notes in meetings. They've become very controlling or aggressive or whatever, like just steamrolling everyone. And I, one, disagree. But two, I think that that's a conditioned behavior. Whenever someone graduates from college and they go into the workplace, they have no conceived structure over what work is going to look like. So from day one, you are not only training them how to do their job, but also how to be an employee at a company. And that's a new skill set. And so what we do from like when we're children to whenever we die is really we're mirroring and we're learning and we're learning what gets a positive response and what gets a negative response. So if you look up and see, okay, the aggressive one, the one that talks the most, the one that's heard the most, the one that is pushy is the one who got promoted you start getting this internal narrative of, okay, if I'm like that, I'll move up here. I'll make more money. I'll do better. And we get conditioned to be these people by our work environments. And then we get to the top. We look back, we've become what we were told is the best and gets rewarded. And people are mad at us about it. And it's bad behavior. It's negative. 
but you're a product of your environment and you were conditioned to behave that way. So similarly, we are conditioned to behave a certain way early in our careers. So you're being too strategic. You need to be more tactical, which I've learned is code for your ideas are threatening to me. I want you to be smaller. I want to be heard louder than you. So you should be more tactical is what that's code for in my book. Mm -hmm. Or you should talk less in meetings or you're not communicating well, or I really am not interested in hearing your ideas today, or I'm not available or worse. You're not valuable. You need to prove your value, value, you're fired, you're laid off, whatever. And Mm -hmm. we internalize these sound bites of things that our managers or our parents or whoever is our authority (laughs) throughout our life. And we make them part of ourselves. So Mm -hmm. If we are asked to prove the value of our job because we the leadership doesn't think it needs to be there anymore, like that speaks to our self-worth, whether that's right or wrong. And you internalize, okay, I have to prove that I'm worthy because I'm not intrinsically worthy. And once you have those messages, it makes it really hard to be in a work environment and to work for someone and to actually feel, okay, I'm worthy. So at our company, <laughs> it's not therapy, I promise, but it feels like it. But we we acknowledge that. And I am very intentional that when you start working here, I start to figure out what you've been told and what you've internalized about yourself. Yeah. So for some of them, it's you're dumb. They've heard throughout their life, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. You, haven't, you don't know the answer. And so they stop asking questions and they start offering information. And you have to see that as a manager and go the extra mile to be like, Hey, what are your thoughts? What are your questions? And just sit there in silence until they answer and reward the behavior of answering yeah. a question, asking questions a question. like, are such a good mm-hmm. thing. Let's reinforce it. Yeah. Love it. And like, if you feel two of my employees have been fired in the past from what I've assessed, not due to the performance of their job or anything like that, just because they didn't need the position or whatever. And they're great people and great contributors to the team, but they have this fear that they're going to be fired without warning. And my job is to build that trust and to make them feel safe. Like, no, I can't guarantee that she'll never be asked to leave the company because I can't see the future, but I guarantee that it won't happen suddenly without your knowledge. Like I can make this a safe space for you. I can keep you updated on our finances. I can keep you updated on how you're doing. And it's a big exercise in trust to make them feel safe here. And a lot of managers don't look at that. They look at how are you performing? How are you doing your job? How are you contributing to the company? And it's really important, especially now, to flip the script and think, how am I growing this person? How am I serving them at this company? And why would they stay? Like, how are you becoming a better person by working here? Yeah. And that's really important to me. Wow. Okay. That's so deep. That's amazing. It all resonates. I am a notorious meeting interrupter and talk overer because that's what I was taught throughout my early career. I was worked at some companies where you were only heard if you yelled the loudest. But it's funny because at those, those companies, I started raising my hand. I couldn't be heard over the other voices. So I just started doing this and it worked. It still works. I still use it. But yes, no, we we definitely mirror what we see as successful and we internalize so much feedback. That's really powerful. So, I mean, kudos. Again, you're just doing so many things right. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm doing my best. Everything that I've learned in owning a business comes back to prioritizing people. The reason that we have been so so successful so quickly is that we prioritize both our internal people and the clients we serve. Mm -hmm. And I haven't talked very much about the clients, but the way that we work is focused on people for solutions. So none of us have worked in an agency before. And so we have had 
through our personal experiences, pretty negative experiences with agencies where the solutions that are built are kept a secret and you're not given documentation and you don't actually get better because of the agreement. So I focus on growing my team as people while they work here. And I focus on growing my clients as contributors to their industry while we're working with them. Everything we do is focused on training, learning, and user experience. And to me, that's a differentiator in the agency space. And we've received a really positive response from the market because we're teaching you, we're growing with you, we're not just doing it for you. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Where can people find you online? You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter, and you can also find our business at coastalconsulting.co. Great. And for those of you listening to the podcast or watching the video, if you like it, please subscribe, like, review. And if you're looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com.